You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional-grade industrial supplies, count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good day once again, everybody. Thanks for hopping on board. The latest edition of Gunna Won the Podcast. It is powered by Patterson Square Garden. I'm Derek Gunn. Well, of course, everybody in the city's buzzing about the recent 76ers trade. James Harden supposedly is the missing link to the 76ers winning the all-coveted NBA championship. Is he or is he not? Well, I, I got to bring in an expert who knows a lot more about this than I do, so I brought in my man Derek Bodner, who is a 76er beat reporter. Hey, man, good to have you back on Gun on One. How you been? It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me again. Uh, great to be back. Absolutely. Well, let's get right to it. And the first question has to be the million-dollar question. Did the 76ers give up too much to get James Harden? Well, the, the many multitudes of million-dollar questions uh, because he makes far more than a million dollars nowadays. Um, no, I don't think they gave up too much. Uh, I think it was honestly, and I feel like we don't say this very often nowadays, I feel like it was a very a fairly ver- fair trade uh, all around. You know, I think they gave up more than they would have had to give up in the summer if they would have tried to pursue him then. But I think they get a stretch run here where they can see whether Joel Embiid and James Harden can catch magic in an Eastern Conference, which is strong and competitive, but which doesn't have an overwhelming favorite. So I think they should have been willing to give up more now than they would have in the summer when they would have had more leverage. Uh, I think that extra run that these two could have does have that kind of value, but they were able to do that while keeping a hold of Tyrese and Matisse Thibel, um, which were priorities for them and should have been priorities for them. So I think overall, I think they improved their team this year. I think they didn't completely hamstring themselves in the future. And I think it turns out to be a pretty good trade uh, all around. You know, I do think they would have gone in the summer with pretty strong leverage over the Nets just because James Harden wanted to be in Philly. I don't think they would have had all the leverage, though, because the Sixers wouldn't have been able to sign James Harden outright. Even if they would, I think James Harden would have preferred either a less likely a sign in trade, but probably opt in to his final year and trade anyway. So I think that at the very minimum, they were probably going to have to give up Ben Simmons to get James Harden, even if they waited until the summer. Adding in Seth Curry and two picks is the cost of doing business to guarantee you get him now and also get him for the stretch stretch run. 
Now, Harden has said that he is committed to staying in Philadelphia beyond uh, this season. Are you buying that at this date? I think right now he believes it, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, but I also think James Harden has shown that things can change for him pretty quickly. And when his preferences change, he does not, you know, he will apply any kind of leverage he can to get his way. And more or less, that has involved quitting on franchises. So, yes, I think right now he believes this is the place where he wants to be. Uh, I think this was one of the two places he really wanted to be at this time last year. Um, whether or not, you know, he said earlier this week, he said, that his preference was always Philly. That's sort of the pandering that star athletes always do when they get traded to a new place. Uh, but certainly Philly was in the top two last year. I think the comfort with Daryl Morey, um, the chance to pursue a championship with Joel Embiid, I think all of that is something that intrigues him. Um, now you just have to make it work um, because otherwise, I mean, superstar, even forgetting James Harden, superstars always have the leverage. If something goes south, they can always change their opinion and, and, and end up in a different place. Right now, yeah, I think he wants to be in Philly. Now, when the trade was finally finalized, were you somewhat shocked that the 76ers and Daryl Morey were able to pull this deal off? Yeah, I was certainly shocked. Um, you know, I, I thought James Harden coming to Philly was a strong chance. I just expected it to happen in the summer. Uh, I was surprised that the Harden-Brooklyn relationship deteriorated so quickly because the only way Brooklyn was going to do that deal is if, A, they thought they were very strongly going to lose James in the summer, and B, also if they really worried that he would derail their season, um, either with antics or just not trying as hard as they needed him to. Um, I think there was concern from both of those aspects from the Nets and for that to go south that quickly. And look, Brooklyn was a unique situation uh, between Kevin Durant constantly, constantly being injured, um, Kyrie Irving and his vaccination status and being a part-time player and the frustration that came with that. I don't entirely begrudge Harden for wanting out of that situation. I'm just surprised it deteriorated that quickly. Like I really thought Brooklyn would say, look, we think if Kevin Durant comes back, we can contend for championship this year. If we do that, maybe James Harden will reconsider and want to be in Brooklyn long-term. I thought that was the path they were going to go. And in order for them to act on it, I, it just, it escalated quickly. It was like that Anchorman meme where like that escalated <laughs> quickly. That was the real life version of that. Now this news conference, as you know, uh, James Harden said, basically uh, it was where I needed to be around guys that I know want to win and know that they are willing to do whatever it takes to win. Ouch. Isn't it kind of a, a damning exit statement for him? Yeah. Look, I think, I think there was some friction there between him and, and Kyrie Irving for sure. Uh, and, and the decision he made and the, and the, you know, limits that put on the team. I think that was a pretty significant impact in James Harden winning out of that, that spot. Um, you know, and I think Joel Embiid has developed into the kind of player and the leader and the um, visible superstar MVP caliber player that other players now want to go play for. And I think that was a definite draw from James Harden's perspective. Like when you watch Joel Embiid play, you see a guy who wants to win a championship and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, and now in a sort of weird twist of fate, he is the, sort of healthy superstar to Kevin Durant's unreliable superstar, which a couple of years ago, I think if we would have said that people would have thought everyone was crazy, but Joel Embiid has been in pretty much outside of that, that stint he spent uh, in COVID protocols. He has been pretty much an everyday player. He's been the best player in basketball. Uh, and I think James Harden looks at it and look, James Harden has never gotten to an NBA finals. Uh, I think James Harden looks at Joel Embiid as sort of the, um, you know, a guy who can help him compete for a title. Like you said, mm-hmm. um, Harden has now talked his way out of Houston, out of Brooklyn. Any concerns on your part that he might not be that so-called consummate teammate or consummate stand-up guy 
in the 76ers locker room. It, it, are, are you, let me put it like this. Are you concerned he might be more of a me guy instead of a we guy? Look, I, I certainly think, um, you know, James Harden is not 100% predictable on what his next moves will be. And once he sort of gets something in his head, then, yeah, he can certainly be a, a me kind of player. Um, you know, I think if you were looking at the positive aspect to that, he spent eight years in Houston with Daryl Morey. And while there were some clashes with superstar pairings, James Harden never tried to bail on the franchise. So I think you, the reunion between Maury and, and Harden here, I think, is a factor in that. Um, the one difference is that, you know, Maury, uh, and one of the reasons why I think Maury and Harden got along so well before is in Houston, everything was about James Harden. Well, that's not going to be the case here. He's, uh, Joel Embiid is the franchise. He is the, he, you know, the, Focal point of the city. Um, if something ever did happen between Harden and Embiid, and you hope that it doesn't, but if it did, the organization is not siding with James Harden this time. So that that pairing, uh, those uh, whether you want to call it egos or just personalities, they have to get along. Um, you know, but I think what I would say also is that the the kind of players you need to put around Joel Embiid are the same kind of players you need to put around James Harden. Like you need corner three point shooters, spot up specialists, um, two way three and D wing players. Both play styles are complemented and perfected by the same skill sets. So building a team around both of them should be pretty easy to do. Um, and a lot of the reporting has been that part of the reason that James Harden won out of Houston in the first place. And quite frankly, I don't really begrudge him for running out of Houston. That was an organization that was going in the wrong direction. And after losing Maury, uh, predictably so, he, maybe the way he got out of there was, was uh, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. But just wanting a new, a new, a fresh start. I don't really begrudge him there. Um, you know, but it, it's one of the real interesting facets is that James Harden has said, I left Houston in part because I wanted to um, be less of a focal point to have more help around me. That didn't really happen because the big three only played 16 games together over the course of two years. Um, and if that is the case, then I think there's a lot of uh, you know, optimism that this could work. All right, now that uh, Harden is officially a 76er, does the Harden and Bead combination make them the instant favorites now in the East, coming out of the East? I wouldn't say instant favorites in large part just because a lot of times these in-season trades, it does take a little bit of time for them to get up to speed. Uh, they're very infrequently do in-season trades result in trips to the NBA Finals. Um, and a lot of that is just because, you know, this is a game where you have to learn how to play off of each other. Um, and it takes a little bit of time to do that, especially when you don't have an offseason to maybe train with each other, when you don't have a preseason, any training camp to learn each other's tendencies. It's just a lot to learn in a very short period of time. And also the fact that, you know, a lot of the players they have right now to complement them aren't perfect. Um, most of the players are one-way players or either shooters or defenders. You don't really have anyone who can do both. So I think Daryl Morey is going to have to get some more complimentary pieces here over the next um, you know, next six to nine months as they, they continue to get towards a championship caliber team. You know, I think they have a chance. I would still probably make Brook, uh, not Brooklyn because they're so, who knows. I would still probably make Milwaukee the favorites in part just because they do have that also that MVP caliber player and, all, and they've been playing together for so long uh, and there's so much chemistry there. But I think the Sixers are certainly in the running. I would probably make them the second favorites in the East um, and give them a real puncher's chance to, to come out. All right. How concerned are you about the hamstring injury with Harden? Uh, 76ers obviously are giving him extended time for that thing to heal up. But as we both know, when it comes to sports 
And it's not like he hasn't had hamstring injuries before. When it comes to sports, he feels good one day, all, all day and all of a sudden that thing is messed up and you're sitting out for a couple of weeks again. Yeah, and, and that's really the, the concern there. It's not so much the immediate hamstring injury because I think he's going to come back after the All-Star break, probably going to look fine. It's can he tweak it again? Can he spend more time either you know out of the lineup or not at 100%? Um, look, he is 32 going on 33. Hasn't exactly been the most well-conditioned athlete in his career. And the combination of those two, certainly, uh, not only do you worry about him taking a step back, and that would mostly be on his next contract, but you're just worried about lingering, nagging injuries. Um, It is a short-term, I don't think the hamstring is a huge concern. Long-term, both that injury specifically and also just nagging injuries going forward is definitely a concern, especially when we start talking about potential contract extensions, or new deals that he could sign in the summer or, or in the next year and a half. Um, that's going to be a very big concern. Yeah. When you make a move of this magnitude, especially in Philadelphia, they want instant results, man. Do you feel that anything short of making it to the NBA finals is a failure in that regard? I wouldn't say this year. Okay. I would put the, uh, put the bar that high, but certainly in the next two years, like you give up Seth Curry and two draft picks, and a guy who previously previously was supposed to be a foundational piece because you believe it can get you there. So I would say short term, like just this year, just because of what I talked about, about how it takes a little bit of time to reach their, their peak ability. Um, I would say this year, that would be a little too high of a bar, but certainly in the next two years, if they don't make a, a, a run to the conference finals, to the NBA finals, either this year or next year, it would be a disappointment for sure. You know, I heard a statement a, a while back shortly after the trade that if this doesn't work out, this this would be a big uh, cloud over Daryl Morey's t- uh, career and could cost Doc Rivers his job. Is that a fair assessment? I think it would be more that Daryl Morey has never reached the finals. Okay. You know, he's had a lot of really good teams that have come up just short. And some of that I don't even really attribute to him so much. Like if Chris Paul doesn't get injured, Harden and the Rockets probably make a, a run of the finals a couple of years back and maybe even win it. Uh, but that is sort of the nature of sports. Uh, not everything is controllable or predictable. Um, I think if they don't do it over the next two years, then it would just be another mark of, you know, basically of Daryl Morey not being able to rewrite the narrative on his career. Um, I don't think it would be a that huge of a failure to prove that he, you know, really define his career so much. Just the fact that, you know, he's been running a team now for, 16, 17 years uh, and wouldn't have reached it. I think it would be much more of that. You mentioned a few moments ago that obviously Milwaukee is at the uh, top of the packing water in terms of teams that could be stumbling blocks. Uh, obviously, they're the defending champions and, and Philadelphia at some point would, would have to go through them. Who else uh, gives you concern when you look at the, the way the teams are stacking up in the East? Because, man, it's, it is a close, tight race in the East. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't really say they give me concern so much. You just have to treat them with respect. Uh, certainly, I think you have to. Uh, the one other team I would say that it gives you concern is Brooklyn, depending on how they look if you meet in the playoffs. Like if Kevin Durant is back, that team can knock out anyone in the East. Do I necessarily have faith that he will come back and will look the same after that injury? That Kyrie Irving will be playing every night, that mm-hmm. Ben Simmons will be able to ramp back up after taking what's been almost a year off? No, but they have sort of that high end outcome where they would concern you in a series. Uh, especially with, I mean, Kevin Durant is the key to, to everything. When Before Kevin Durant without a lineup, that team, which again, you just now made a major trade, but that team was the top seed in the East. So they have the upside to play with anyone, to concern anyone, 
I would say the Sixers certainly have the higher sort of, I guess, median outcome in terms of, of their season. Uh, but Brooklyn, Brooklyn would be scary in a playoff series if they're healthy, if Ben Simmons is back, if Kyrie Irving is more than a part-time player, which is a lot of ifs, which is why I wouldn't bet on them, but they would be scary. Um, and Miami, you have to respect Miami the way they play. Um, they are as consistent of a team in the regular season, especially when they're, they're healthy. Um, their defense is legitimate. Uh, they are a, a scary team. And I mean, look, Boston has turned it around too. And then you've got Cleveland and Chicago. I mean, this is a deep, deep Eastern Conference. Right. The only team that would truly scare me, though, is, is Milwaukee. All right. Now, as we transition into the guy who the 76ers traded to get to Ben Harden, I want to preface it by saying, you know, I don't make light of mental health issues. Um, I've covered a lot of athletes who have gone through them. Um, I know people who have gone through and, and are still going through some mental health issues. So I don't make light. And obviously, Ben Simmons, uh, it's been well documented to a certain degree uh, that he's been going through a lot of uh, issues. Uh, but it's just it, I just can't get past the fact that the issues he was going through prevented him from coming back in good face and facing the media in Philadelphia. And you know what? Playing is doing what you can do to help the team until something would happen. Then all of a sudden you get traded to Brooklyn and, and yeah. now you're looking forward to playing in the near future. Um, how do you view that? Because it, it just bothers me a little bit that now all of a sudden he's close to being well again. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think there's, probably a couple things. I think it's, it's certainly possible that he was, was, and maybe still is going through things in his personal life and has some, you know, mental health concerns that he needs to address while also wanting to get out of Philadelphia and off the Sixers. Like, I think some, some of his actions could be the result of legitimate. Uh, we can keep open the possibility that he's fighting legitimate mental health battles. Right. While also saying he is taking actions, not necessarily to address, or at least not all of them would be to address those mental health concerns. Some of them would be geared specifically towards trying to force the Sixers to trade him. So I don't think the fact that, you know, he is now talking about wanting to play means he is definitely making up everything about mental health concerns. But I do think certainly some of the actions that he took, were designed towards trying to put pressure on a Sixers to get him out of a situation he no longer wanted to be in. Um, And how much overlap is there? How much was he using those mental health concerns to maybe justify other behavior? I don't know. And I get a little bit uncomfortable speculating about all of that. Right, right. But I do think there there is a world where, you know, some of his actions were mental health concerns or mental health related. And some of them, maybe we can debate over how much falls on one side or the other, but some of them, maybe even a lot of them sure. were to apply pressure. Uh, and the ones that he was using to apply pressure, whether or not he was also then trying to roll them into the larger mental health concerns, I don't know. But the ones that he would, you know, I, he wasn't practicing and playing with the team because he won off the team, if we're being honest. To, to, to what degree did Philadelphia and the fan base make it bad on Ben Simmons compared to Ben Simmons making the situation bad for himself. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, it, it, I think Philadelphia for the most part was largely very supportive of him up until I agree. the series. I agree. Now, would it be tough? Like, let, let's say, and, and this is where I get a little uncomfortable. Let's say a guy is really dealing with some kind of anxiety disorder, which is just one aspect of mental health. No idea. Obviously none of us have ever talked to either Ben or a psychiatrist who has talked to Ben about this, but if hypothetically you were suffering that affliction and now you had to come back into a stadium that hated you. I would get why that would be tough. 
Um, we this is tough for us in the media and as fans to sort of talk about because especially something like anxiety is just sort of like you. It's I won't say it's part of being an athlete, but it's certainly tangentially related to what you have to overcome to be successful at a professional level. Uh, so I think we don't really know how to have this conversation yet, but I could understand yeah. why after that Atlanta series, if there was some kind of anxiety disorder, and again, I'm just purely speculating sure. or even bringing up a hypothetical, not even speculating, but I could see explanations where it would now be tough for Ben to come back. But he then came out and made himself the enemy in the off season. Uh, you know, he openly said he was never, or not openly, but through his agency said that he wasn't going to play for Philadelphia again brought up a laundry list of reasons for why it was to blame everyone but himself. Mm -hmm. So he a thousand percent made the situation worse. But I also think just coming back after game seven against the Hawks would have been tough for almost anyone, but especially if there's any kind of a hint that some of these mental health concerns are true. Yo D if he gets close to getting all the way back to (laughs) what he was, man, that makes, that makes the nets that much more dangerous and stronger when it comes to the playoffs, um, yeah, sure. man, if he gets back to that all-star caliber, wow, look out. And when you're talking about playing Brooklyn. Yeah, no, he would, he would be real good for what they need. You know, I think um, you know, they are the right team. And look, regardless of whether this falls anywhere on a mental health spectrum or not, mm-hmm. he certainly looked to me like he had a fear of failure in terms of shooting. Like he was scared to shoot. He wasn't comfortable stepping out of his comfort zone. Uh, and again, I, I'm not a medical doctor, but whether right. or not that falls on the spectrum, he clearly looked to me like he had a fear of failure. If there's one team and one contending team that's able to, um, you know, cover up that deficiency, it's playing alongside alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like all they need him to do is be one of the best defenders on the planet, which he's capable of doing, pushing the ball in transition and getting out of the way on offense. And that's quite frankly what Ben Simmons wants to do on the basketball court. Um, so even though, even if you get into a deep playoff run and he's not confident in the half court, that's the one team where you can let him sort of hide because he's he's scared in a half court offense. Even if he does that, he's going to play his tail off defensively. Mm-hmm. And even in that Hawks series, he tried hard defensively, and that's what Brooklyn needs. But again, that's very dependent on Kevin Durant being healthy and available. That's very dependent on Kyrie Irving being a full-time player. But yeah, I think if everything works out fine, if you're going to pick a contender, Brooklyn is probably the right contender for him to be on. You know, while I was listening to his press conference, one of the things I enjoyed hearing was when he said he hopes to be ready to play against the 76ers here in Philadelphia in early March. Can you imagine what that Wells Fargo Center would be like if Ben yeah. Simmons is playing in that game that night? I would be pretty surprised if he plays in that game. <laughs> you know, I don't think he wants to face the fans. Uh, I certainly think that is true. What I think is interesting is if they meet in the playoffs, because especially if Kyrie Irving is still a, a part-time player who can't play in Brooklyn, you can't then have Ben Simmons not playing on the road. He can't avoid three or four games in Philadelphia. That's when I think you could possibly see the return of Ben Simmons to Philadelphia. Uh, I would not expect March 10th, if I'm being completely honest. Mm. Hey, man, before I let you go, I, I noticed uh, when I was checking out your Twitter page that, hey, back in December, you started uh, the Daily Six subscription. Um Give me some insight on what's that about and how people can get to it. Yeah, it's a it's a subscription newsletter slash a blog. You know, it all of the articles are posted directly on the website. They're also emailed directly to you. 
Uh, it is to be a little more of a, you know, I focus a lot more on maybe the salary cap or deep dives on statistical analysis or video breakdowns, something where I'm, I'm not writing a game story per se. Uh, I'm trying to take, you know, sort of my experiences and my reference points to explain various aspects uh, of basketball. Um, you know, it's, it's a little more informal, uh, a little more dense in terms of, or at least I try to make it a little more dense in terms of information. Um, it's more to be a resource for diehard Sixers fans and mm-hmm. it is to sort of tell a story um, about the game. So it's over at dailysix.com. Uh, it's something I did sort of before coming to The Athletic a little bit uh, with a Patreon way back in the day, um, but I'm giving that a shot again. And also I'm still podcasting uh, with The Athletic um, with my longtime podcast co-host, Rich. Uh, so you can get all of that over at my Twitter page um, at Derek Bodner NBA. Hey man, that's a that's a lot of research. Did you hire your own research team? <laughs> I wish, I wish. Maybe in the future. Maybe in the future. Man, I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes to talk to me about this 76ers trade. I can't wait to see how it plays itself out. I can't wait to see Ben Simmons. I mean, uh, James Harden and, and Joel Embiid on the same court. Can't wait to see what happens with Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant up in, up in Brooklyn as well. But I always respect uh, your insight. Uh, I love your knowledge. And I'm, I'm going to keep following you, keep watching you. And uh, thank you for being on Gun on One once again, man. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. And everybody, you just heard him. If you get out there, subscribe to the Daily Six subscription. Follow him at Derek Bodner NBA on Twitter. He spells it the wrong way. He doesn't spell it D-E-R-R-I-C-K. <laughs> he spells it D-E-R-E-K. He just messed the whole thing up. <laughs> but, you know, we'll live with it. But, uh, hey, man, uh, be well. And, uh, you know, I'm going to hit you up again before the season's over. So stand by. Sounds good. Sounds good. Even though I completely disagree with you on the spelling, I appreciate it. <laughs> I knew you would. <laughs> All right. That's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on One, the podcast. Hey, thank you, everybody, for out there listening each and every week. And as always, hey, be safe out there. Stay blessed. And more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time. So long, everybody. in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.